This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. There are two Palm Sunday traditions. Uh, One is to engage Palm Sunday fully uh, on the Sunday of the Palms and to uh, have Holy Week celebrations uh, come during the week. Uh, In the medieval church was just filled with things for the devoted and for followers to do for the week before Easter. And Holy Week is the Christian highest holy days. We think of Christmas a lot of the time as our highest holy day, but it's actually Easter. Um, And we are coming right up on that. The other way to celebrate uh, Palm Sunday is what we call Passion Sunday, or Palm Slash, you know, one of those grammatical lines indicating Passion. And the Passion um, of Jesus is the story of his last days. The story of Palm Sunday where Jesus calls to the disciples to bring in the colt that he may ride it into Jerusalem. And this is Jesus' first time into Jerusalem in the book of Mark where we're working. Comes into Jerusalem as a king. It's kind of funny because we don't think of it that way. We think that's not how kings come in. Kings come in with pomp and circumstance and marching bands. Kings have military parades like Pontius Pilate did, marching in on the big war horses, showing off the might and his love of empire and empire worship. But the promised Judean king, the one that would bring peace, the one that would bring prosperity, the one that would bring love to the people, that person came on a mule or even a donkey, a symbol of not a war horse, a symbol of somebody who did not come in violence or oppression or suppression, but a farm animal, a village beast, somebody, an animal that helped till the soil, feed the people, and bring prosperity to the villages. And all the weirdness around the donkeys, right? In Matthew, there are two donkeys that apparently Jesus rides simultaneously. Still not sure how that one got pulled off. This idea of a donkey that had never been ridden before. And some of us imagine this poor little donkey cult, right? Like quaking with its big little knees and Jesus gonna sit on it. But part of the lore of kingship the lore, L-O-R-E, of kingship was that the king would ride on a donkey that had never been ridden before. So it didn't have to be a colt colt, but one who, once the king was seated, would never actually have another rider again. Something, sometimes we talk about in Greek has this perfect tense, a tense that tells us that something has happened for all time. On the cross, when Jesus says, it is finished, that word is in the perfect tense. 
is done for all time. And time doesn't just move forward. This is a mistake we make in our culture. Time moves forward and back and side to side. Anybody ever play pinball? Every direction that pinball goes and more, time goes too. Because God encompasses all things, all possibilities. So in that moment, on that donkey, coming through the gates of Jerusalem, Jesus is declaring that it is the love of God, not of empire. The love of neighbor, not of money. That is the true kingship and the true way. We've been talking about walking the walk. What does it mean to walk the walk? And I want to pull up a slide for us to look at. I love this picture. This is actually a free picture uh, as well through Unsplash. And um, it just captivated me. I uh, was searching on photos for walking the beginning of the season as we're playing it out. And this has been on my desktop all during Lent, thing to myself, I know it goes somewhere. I know we're going to talk about this. I just don't know where. I love that this boy is on the move. He's going somewhere. And as I break down the photograph, I notice the blue sky. It's, it's got enough cloud, right, that it's kind of sheltering, that we get this sense of the heavens above encompassing and holding the space of life. And think about our own small earth and that beautiful, small, delicate film of atmosphere that cradles within it the life that we live in every creature on earth. This boy is cradled in that same heavenly love. We see the landscape Right? It doesn't look forbidding. Looks like he's got a way to go, right? I remember my, um, the story in my family. My husband's great-grandmother's name was Mary McGaw. And she had a thing she would do with the infants born into the family. And that was a farm family, so there was a lot of little infants and a lot of little infant feet. And she would cradle their little feet in a blessing, and she would say, poor little feet. Such a long way to go. And there is such wisdom in that. So here he is. It looks like he's got some good footwear, so I like that. He looks like he's ready for this journey. And he's on his way. And he looks at where he wants to go. And there's, there's not too much threat, is there? There's good vegetation, the sense that he'll have resources, he'll be able to thrive. And that sort of mountainy looking thing in the background, it's the, most, it's the thing that looms most in the picture. And yet it too has a gentleness, it's blurry. Whatever it is, if I was his mom or his auntie, I would say, you got this. You got this. All of us have to climb mountains once in a while. You got that one. And then the guitar, right? So this is a boy who's bringing his heart with him. Because you have to have brain skill and finger skill, but music comes from the heart. Music is a prayer. A lot of people didn't know Jesus sings. 
He sings in the Bible. Crazy, right? Did you know that? One of these little weird factoids. Jesus sang because he was a participating, vibrant member of his Judean community and worship community, and they all sang, just like we do. So next time you feel dorky singing for Jesus, remember, Jesus is next to you, and he's got a hymnal, so we're set. But this, this guitar adds to this sense of purpose, right? It's not forward. He's holding it back there. Wherever he's going, that's going to be an instrument of really good heart. And he knows where he's headed. And at Christmas time, we have this phrase we use. We say, what will become of this child? Right? The infant born in a manger, like my great husband's great-grandmother would say, poor little feet, such a long way to go. Those little feet in that little manger are going to take on an enormous conversation. The path that Jesus is going to walk is going to be so much challenge. Those mountains, they're nothing. It's going to be a lot harder than that. And why? Why walk that walk? You know, when Jesus was walking that last day into Jerusalem, that first day into Jerusalem, through to the last day, he could have at any time said, ah, well, forget this. All along the way, he is questioned by scribes and Pharisees. They want to see how big a threat he is, what they have to do with him or to him to silence him. All he had to say was, you know what? You're right. This is too hard. Um, I'm out of here. I'm just going to go back to Galilee, and, and everything will be fine. Right? He could have done that. He absolutely could have done that. God's grace is not compelling grace to create out of us sort of robots who have no choice or no participation in our life. I mean, yes, we hit obstacles that we are not in control of, but God does not create compulsion around grace, but a gap. Will you come? If we follow Jesus, if we, like Jesus, do not let go of love and instead serve empire, if we, like Jesus, do not serve money but serve our neighbor, this boy and every boy has promise in their life to reach what we call the kingdom of God. And we use a lot of different phrases for that. Because for some of us, the word kingdom has been so contaminated by earthly rulership that it's hard to get our brain around the king and God in the same sentence. For others of us, we see that word as really important because it takes what's wrong about it and it turns it around and says, you can't have that word. An earthly king cannot ruin that word. That is supposed to be about us loving each other. I've got my hand high, but actually here's that king on a donkey with his feet sticking out, looking kind of foolish, actually. Somebody riding on a donkey doesn't look that dignified. 
and the crowd gathering around, raining down cloaks, raining down palms. Hosanna means save us. We want this boy's future. We don't mind scaling a few mountains. We are invited to participate in grace, and that means we skin our knees. But always we do it encompassed by the love of God, recognizing the deep beauty of creation everywhere, holding us, calling us away from love of empire, calling us to walk the walk. So how do we how do we do this? How do we play it out? Jesus has asked a few times in the Bible, but between Palm Sunday and his arrest, there's a whole little section in Mark where Mark really shows us that the empire of Rome has infected and the empire of Judea has risen up. That the high priests are serving themselves. He does this through the story of the fig tree where he comes to the fig tree and it's in full leaf and Jesus is hungry and there's not a fruit on it. Fig trees fruit before they leaf. So this means that this tree took up all the nutrients and all the sun and all the good things of God and invested them in fancy clothes and looking good. That is not God's way. That is love of money, not love of empire. Not love of neighbor. Jesus also has a conversation with a scribe who says, well, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers as any good Judean would at the time. He said, it's in the prayer we say all the time every day. Listen, Israel, the Shema, calling out that God is one, calling out that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our being and love our neighbor as ourself. A lot of people ask me, too. Like, they don't ask the way that they asked then, what do I need to do to have eternal life? But they ask me, what, what's the real thing Christians should be doing? You know, it's complicated. There's this, like, whole book and um, I couldn't even get a third of the way through Isaiah. <laughs> that book is serious. And I tell them, it's just one thing, just one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you cannot love empire and you cannot love money because you will see the two come in direct opposition from each other. If you love empire, that's not where God is. That's hard though, isn't it, right? It's hard. There was a um, church in the Bronx that I had the uh, honor to visit and um, they had every year a great uh, play. They would put on a huge production. <clears throat> it was a legend in the community and it was the idea for the production came out of an African proverb and that proverb was, the way out is through. 
And for a lot of us who bounce off our pain, who aren't willing to look at our pain, we bounce off that pain like a skipping stone on the water, right? Always trying to escape the lake beneath us. But sometimes you have to let that stone drop. And yes, it can hurt. And you can cry a whole lot. But I promise you, that lake will hold such treasure. You will find yourself there. As the Bible says, you will return to your nefresh, the part of you that is you, that is holy, that is sacred, that is created in God. You will find yourself if you are willing. And otherwise, you know what you're stuck doing? Skipping that rock over and over and over again. The way out is through. They did this whole production. It was on the slave trade, the international slave trade, where men, women, and children were kidnapped from their homes and sold into labor and slavery. Whew, that's heavy. <laughs> and the passion they had around that, and the revulsion I felt to it, like, whoa, I don't know if I want to see a play like that. That's like bad news. That's really bad stuff. It's like, I, I want to go see something happy. Can we see Pollyanna instead? Would that be okay? I mean, I want to feel happy. I don't want to feel that. But the trouble is that we carry these ancestral wounds with us. Those of us who said no to Jesus Christ a long time ago, we carry that ancestral wound within us. Grace doesn't just come here or come there. It shows up, it bubbles up in all the horrors of our culture that we're saying no over and over and over again to God. We have to say yes. We have to go through over and over again and remember, oh, wow, I, don't, I want it to be different this time. And this play in the Bronx helps people heal, helps people name their pain. Because otherwise, ancestral pain sort of hovers like a cloud. And it's like always hanging, but you don't even really know what, what's that about. And so you lean in. The way out is through. The Princess Bride movie also knows this, right? Who's seen Princess Bride, right? They have to go through the deep forest of despair. Remember that? There's a horrible pig beast in the whole thing. They don't get a choice because that's the way out. The way out is through. And the same thing for Holy Week. The way out is through. Be fearless in reflecting on the life of Jesus this week. The truth of Jesus' last week. The no's, the yelling. We will read story from Holy Week as we close our service today. I encourage yourself, let let, let yourself be moved. But remember the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your being and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. If we can hold on to that as Jesus did through that week, guess what happens on the other end? Now I almost ditched my whole sermon just for a tutorial on how to make one of those crosses that Dorita knows how to make. Right? Wasn't that cool? And the story that goes with it? This is why Christian education is so much fun. Um, yeah, it wraps around and stuff. 
the lesson in that, right, is the way out is through. That to get to where we want to go, we can't, and Jesus didn't, stop on the path and say, well, (laughs) this looks like bad news. I'm just going to head back the other way. Peter does that, right? Peter screams, time out, in the middle of it, loses his bearings and denies Christ. Judas looks for a way to give Jesus up to the authorities in order to benefit from money. Love of neighbor, love of money, not the same thing. So we're going to have offertory, then we're going to take a bit of a dive into the passion reading. I want you to bear through that. Remember the hope of the other end. Remember the stakes are that boy and every boy like him and every girl that they may find a world where love of neighbor and love of God come first. Let us just sit for a moment to reflect.